This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and you guys, my guest today, you might be like, she seems familiar, because I know you guys are avid Shark Tank viewers, and she has actually won and got a deal on Shark Tank for just one of her inventions. Elena's going to tell us today how she became a serial inventor and what is this next move, because she has something for all of you booty lovers out there, and that's probably 100% of you. She has the toner bum, and this thing is going to stop you from having a dumbbell on the back of your leg while trying to tone up your booty. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. And before we get into the toner bum, I just want you to kind of tell us what type of a student were you? Because you seem to be, you know, very creative. And a lot of times, you know, the creative folks might struggle in class because maybe they can teach it or they're just bored. So what type of a student were you? Well, you're right. Like I did struggle in the classes I was really bored at. And, um, for me, I always loved learning. So whenever I got to college was when I really excelled because the professors really cared about the curriculum and I got to pick the classes I actually wanted to learn about. So I was always in the very, very front, in the middle, always asking questions, always asking for more homework because I just was so thirsty for knowledge. And I actually, most of my professors were my friends and most of the students were like, they hated me. They were like, no, don't ask for homework. I'm like, please, is there any homework this weekend? I need something to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all entrepreneurs are self-starters, especially when you love what you're doing, because I can totally relate. Graduated high school with a 1.9, if not for, you know, college and being able to play football and run real fast. I don't know if I would have made it, but got on the president's list. So I could just I can vibe with that now. When you started creating, at what age were you? And did you get support right away from family and friends? Uh, well, my mom, bless her heart, she always supported whatever made me happy, uh, which uh, started at about age six when I started drawing on walls, which uh, my mom <laughs> was like, okay, here's some paper. So art for me, painting, drawing, um, sculpture, was my way to express my creativity. And it allowed me to really like get into that zone of feeling so fulfilled and happy. So um, inventing was something that came much later in my career. I really taught, I was like an artist, like a fine artist, like a painter, you know, drawing, sculpture, all those things were really at the core where I started. So it sounds like mom, you know, so supportive and and that's such a, a beautiful thing. Was it expensive for, you know, you to be able to kind of tinker around and be able to create because, you know, paintbrushes, there's different kinds. There's the Walmart kind. Then there you go to the craft store and you can go get a real expensive paintbrush. So was it an expensive hobby to start? 
Um, no, it wasn't actually. Um, I like watercolors aren't really that expensive. And um, I went to, I got into an, uh, an art high school that actually provided a lot of the supplies. Um, it was like a gifted and talented school in Houston. It's called HSPVA. And where we didn't have sports, we were the only school that instead of like a sports team, we had an extra two hours of whatever major we chose, which at the time for me was fine art. So there wasn't like, that was never an issue. Like the the financing of my creativity. I always found a way to find, find something like whether it was like a piece of clay or charcoal. I mean, the, the finances for that weren't that difficult at all. Okay. You're, 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 you're kind of making me think even about myself when I pretend to be a painter and I say, no, I need that $60 brush. That's why my stuff doesn't come out right. <laughs> on the supplies, right? That's always smart. <laughs> yes. But you, you know, you did create products that did become expensive because you had to patent them and you had to, you know, go into manufacturing. So what were like the, the first steps when you said, you know what, this is going to get expensive. Did you go and say, I'm going to deplete my savings or, you know, maybe go after angel investors or venture capitalists, which, you know, you ended up on Shark Tank, but in the beginning, how did you even put that together? Yeah, that's a great question. There's lots of layers to that. Um, I think before you present anything in front of an investor, they really have to take you seriously and know that you're willing to put in not only the money, but also the time into really pulling this all the way through. So a lot of people have like an idea and it could be a great idea and it could be a PDF presentation of whatever it is that their idea is, but an investor is really not willing to write a check for a PDF document with an awesome idea. They want to see that you actually sacrifice something and whatever that is for you, it, it could be either your savings. Yes. That's a huge sacrifice. Your time. Um, for me, I, I always see it as time versus money. So I ask myself, okay, do I have the time to learn this skill, whatever that skill that I need, or do I have the money to hire someone for that skill? And at the time when I had my unplanned pregnancy, I had a little bit more time than I had money even though the time also, I mean, I didn't have so much of that either, but at the time I had a little bit more time than the money. And so I used that time to teach myself how to write a patent. Um, during the time my son would sleep, I would look through this book and break it down piece by piece. I went through the specifications, the drawings. I went, I did everything and submitted the final patent and it took like five years, but that was a choice I made instead of hiring a patent attorney and dropping a bunch of money, which I didn't have at the time. So I found a way out. I think as a um, creator and also the way I like to look at things is that every problem has so many solutions. So it's, you just got to find the best one that works for you at the time. And for me, it was gaining that knowledge. And then when it finally got to the point where it was time to make the physical product, I obviously don't have a manufacturing company. I'm, uh, I don't have the supplies or even the knowledge to do that. So I knew I had to have the capital to make the molds and to place an order. And that can add up because the molds are really expensive as well as um, a place order. So I contacted um, a bunch of Chinese manufacturing companies, researched and found the best one that I trusted that gave me the best quote. And then it was time. To, now I knew the numbers, right? Now I knew how much money I needed. 
I looked at how much I had and some of my family was willing to give me some. And then I knew how much I was missing. So now when I went forward to investors, I had a plan. I said, okay, here is how much I put into the company. I wrote the patent. I got the patent. I have the prototype. I have a manufacturing. I'm ready to go. The next step I need is your finances to help this move. Let's get this going. And that's what the investors really want is just to be able to know what you're going to do with their money as soon as you hand it to them. And so for me, uh, getting an investor was actually, it, it was a smooth journey. I did my first pitch event. I won it. I had a bunch of investors approach me and really just asking me to get like, take my money. And I was like, wow, this is actually, this is easy. Like if you have a plan and it works and it makes sense for the investors, I think that they will be willing to give you not only their money, but also their expertise. Now, a lot of people get in trouble when they take money. Um, living in Seattle for six years, I tell people getting angel or VC really isn't that difficult once you kind of know the game and you're in those circles. Um, where did you learn your knowledge? Because a lot of folks get burned or, you know, because they can't, they don't know the game. And they're like, oh, I thought you gave me this million, two million just for <laughs> to look good. And so where did you... Yeah. So where'd you get your, your knowledge from with that? You know, I've never read any entrepreneurship books or really ever had any friends that were entrepreneurs. So really my knowledge came from just taking myself out of my role as an entrepreneur and putting myself in their role as an investor, right? I'm no longer the entrepreneur, right? And now I'm thinking about, well, what if I was the invest investor and I had the money and I gave it to someone who I would obviously want to do something with and grow the company. Then I made sure I did all those things that I would want my, like if I was the investor, I would want the entrepreneur to do, which is like, okay, I'm about to give you money. Don't use it on yourself. Use every bit of it to water the company because money is fuel for the company. And if you run out of the fuel, your company could go bankrupt and dead because you don't have enough to keep it running. So I take it very seriously when someone gives me their money and I make sure not only am I careful about where it goes in the company, but I'm super careful about never touching it for any of my personal stuff, even a cup of coffee, even though I'm like, Oh I, yeah. Some people are like, there's a gray area. I'm like, no, nothing. Like all my personal stuff is like super separate. And I've never once ever, have paid myself a salary. I've always, whatever I've made, whether it's like small gigs or a side job, whatever I've made has gone into my company. And I think that really is what has dri driven a lot of my success is I never take from the company. I give to the company. And I think that's really what allowed me to get to where I am. It's, I look at it as like a tree, right? You plant the seed and you have to water it before it really sprouts and pull the fruit from. And I think people get too excited and too like okay I want the fruit now but it's just like a tree you have to wait and you have to water and you have to water and, and the water is what allows it to grow and it whenever it finally grows into a full blossoming tree and the fruit is ready to fall and you're like okay all you have to do is just put your hands there and then it's falling now you know the time when you can actually take a cut from the company and that hasn't happened for me yet but I'm patient I'm I'm not in a rush to do that. I know the time will come. 
Well, you know, that's a very non-American thing because America is about, hey, what you make, spend double. You can see that in the government, <laughs> you, you know, and so your Ukrainian roots are really, you know, showing that. And, and most many Americans need to, you know, learn from that. But folks would look at you winning pitch competitions, you know, getting a deal with of all people, you know, even having Mr. Wonderful part of the deal means you are really doing something right. And now that you're riding, you know, you have the Bentley truck or the Rolls Royce truck as soon as you got there, because you just know in a year they're going to highlight you as a flashback. Does it really go like that? Or, or do you just say, I'm going to actually have to work harder and still take that philosophy until what number? When do you start paying yourself? Honestly, I really think the difference between successful entrepreneurs and unsuccessful entrepreneurs is the difference between what drives them. I think that if what drives you are the, the cars and the fancy mansions and whatever it is that you want to buy with the money that you will make, you, you may get lucky. There's always that chance. But I think really what the success comes through the journey and the hardship. It's like, the entrepreneurs that want the challenge because it's the space where they grow and it's that hunger for the next challenge that really sets them apart and allows them to succeed. I, I've never looked forward to any of those materialistic things. Like they're nice to have, like, but they don't fulfill me. What fulfills me is being able to come up with an idea or a solution that actually helps people that makes the world a slightly better place. And, that's true fulfillment for me. Like no amount of money could ever fill that much joy for me. Like money for me is just a tool. I, I, I need the money to grow my companies, to pad more products, to manufacture more products, to hire amazing people to help share the, the products with others and you know, customer service, shipping, all that. Money is never, like the the top of my mountain that that's never been for me can you teach people, you know, how you did that? I know on Shark Tank, you talked about you had um, a, an investor who, you know, I think actually even hired you. But yeah. many people will hear this and they'll say, well, if you're not taking money, no disbursements, no salary, how do you eat? You said you have a child. How do you eat? <laughs> I think you have to look at your life and ask yourself, what is it that I really need? and break it down into simple terms, right? I think the world wants you to think that you need all these things to feel happy, to feel fulfilled. But I really look at my life in simple, simple terms. Like I need a bed to sleep on. I need a shower to clean my body. I need an area where I can eat. My son needs also a bed and a shower. So really if you break it down to basic needs, uh, a bed, food, water, and and everything else is a nice to have, right? It's like, okay, if we have extra money to do things, but there's so many things that are free, like going to the park, museums, like people think you need a lot of money to be happy, but it's actually not true. I, I found through this journey that materialistic possessions really don't bring me that much fulfillment. And I have taken a step back in, in myself as a, a a woman of my age uh, situation and I've moved in with my family in the same room that I lived in when 
I was in high school and I would say, yeah, for a long time, I could, I was like embarrassed to tell people about that. Like, oh, it's so embarrassing to like live in the same room, but you know what? I own it now because that amount of money saved on rent or even a mortgage I've used to fuel my companies. And that's how I've been able to get to the, to the place where I was even able to pitch to the sharks. Right. And I think that sacrifice really is what is needed unless you come from like a super wealthy family where people just throw money at you and you have, you know, you could play around and there's risk you could take. Um, I really feel like there's always a solution, whether it's like someone's basement or your high school room or wherever it is, you could find a way to really cut down your costs and break it down to like a really small amount. And as far as work, um, I mean, as a, as a person, really what value you bring to others is, is um, how much you can increase sales for them. So if, with my investor, for example, I've watched him. I, I just asked, I said, look, before I even take your money, I want to learn from you. Let me, will you allow me to just like walk with you into your office, observe your team, see what's working, what's not. And I don't want to take any money from you. I just want to learn. And he saw that. He saw that I was hungry to learn and I was hungry to help him. And I think that is what opened his like mind and heart to really hiring me because he saw that I cared. I didn't want just the paycheck. I really wanted to help him grow his companies. And that, what is, uh, that is what has allowed him to help me grow mine. Uh, so it's, it's a healthy relationship is when you give equal amount and you take equal amount. And that's really what we have. Wow. And, you know, I saw the reports saying single mom talking like this. I don't know how, because, you know, um, America likes to show women, especially women who fit that um, the beauty mold that you do. Oh, if you just impress them with money. I mean, there's a whole, you know, social media manosphere that says just make money, guys. And women like this will flock to you. But that money isn't, you know, you have a brain. I, I can make my own money, but I have a brain. I love to hear that stuff because stereotypes just we have to burn them and like bury them because you don't know until you get to know somebody. Now, with Toner Bum, I saw that you are it looks like your own model on there. So I see you as being, you know, future influencer, um, having a YouTube, telling everybody why they need this. But it looks like you've started this from the ground up too. it being sold right now through like a, a, a PayPal link and not just going right to Amazon. I didn't see it there at least yet. So how did this come together? Did you just get tired of that weight falling off while you were working out? Yeah, I actually this is my first invention. I invented this product um, like when I was still in, in college and I spent a lot of time in college sitting like during class and studying and that sitting continued through my adulthood. You know, with office work now, most of us are in front of computers and after we get off work, we go in our cars and we're sitting there and then when we come home, we had a long day, we went on wine, we sit on our couches and I saw my like body literally deteriorate in a span of like five to 10 years. And I, my butt just got lazy. Literally, it's called lazy butt, butt syndrome. It's when the muscles in your uh, glutes like just don't tighten anymore because we're sitting. We are meant to be moving and walking, but cars and modern, modern technology 
has basically prohibited us from working that muscle. Now, aside from the aesthetic look, like, okay, yeah, it looks good when you have a toner bump. The real reason why I wanted it is because I had really bad, bad lower back pain. And really what was the root cause of it based on what my doctor said is that my glute muscles are too weak and that's causing my hip flexors and my lower back to really ache. And so in order to prevent that, I need to do this one very specific workout, which is getting on all fours, putting a dumbbell behind because you need the resistance to allow yourself to basically tone that muscle. And I kept putting the dumbbell just like I was suggested, but it kept falling off. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. This is not staying in place. It's very, it hurts when it falls. So I saw vision, like the same way as I invented swipe and snap, just like this um, device that goes around the back of your leg and it would be weighted like a dumbbell, but it's like a horseshoe. So it'll stay in place and allow me to do the workout without worrying about it falling off. And I just never like, I never thought that I would get a patent for something like that. Um, you know, I had my son and then I had swipe and snap was my first patent. And then after I got the patent for swipe and snap, I got this confidence of like, you know what, maybe my ideas are legitimate and why not take the risk? Not at the time it was a huge risk because I already knew how to file a patent. I wrote my uh, patent for the, the dumbbell as well because I had the time and I was just like excited about trying it out. My patent attorney was like, look, chances are you won't get a patent for this because it's just too obvious. And I was like, look, let's just take it, right? He helped me write the claims. I'm not an expert in that. Um, and then a year went by and I got the patent. And I was like, no way, I got a second patent. I, I like, I was so happy. I was like, okay, this is literally God in the universe telling me I have to bring this to life. And so on the weekends for the past uh, like year and a half, I've just been tinkering with it. It's been like a little bit of a project for me um, to like play around with the design, the colors, the logo, the name. And I submitted a trademark and then I got an engineer to work on the prototype. And then I found a manufacturing and I started working on the website. And then before I knew it, like a year and a half went by and I have a company and now I'm launching it next month. And I'm literally units are, are arriving. Buying off the shelves. <laughs> no, no, they will. I'm already getting sales. I don't know how people are finding it. Uh, but the units are literally in the middle of the ocean right now. They will come at the end of this month and I am ready to ship. I have uh, the first batch coming in and um, I'm super excited. Let me show you. Here it is. This is uh, the toner bum. It's like an upside down heart. And uh, here's the shape and it goes around the back of your leg. I use this like every day. It like is a lifesaver because sometimes I come home from work and honestly, I'm just too exhausted to go to the gym or I just don't have the time. So literally it's on my mat um, in the middle of my office. And I'm just like, look, I have five minutes and I created this five minute uh, workout that works with it. That literally tones every part of your glute, the top muscles, the side muscles, the center and the lower. And like, no joke, like it lifted my booty. And not only that, it like stopped my lower back pain. And all my friends are like, girl, you got a nice booty. Like, what do you do? And I'm like, listen, as soon as I get these units, I'm gonna hook you up. 
Well, well, I I already know influencers because we deal with influencers and I've asked some. So Roxy B. Fit had wrote into me and she's like, okay, um, it's five pounds. Will there be anything heavier for those who might have a little more gluteus maximus um, or want to, you know, take it to the next level? Will there be a heavier version as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do want to say that even though it's five pounds, like I the workout that I created with it, like if a personal, like I'm, I'm a fit person, like I run, I do yoga and I can barely do this five minute workout without like, oh, trust me, like five pounds with the workouts is very challenging. Um, I would say try first before you say you need more weight, but <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do anymore. I'm like, okay, you got this two more sets. When you had your son, did you have um, an epidural? Um, I did, but unfortunately, it only worked on half my body. Um, so I felt literally everything on the other half, which was like, come on. Like, I can still feel all the pain. Well, my oh. um, he was nine pounds, and I'm, I only weigh 100. So it was uh, a very intense birth. It was very difficult and i ask you that because my wife still says after 10 years and, and two children she's like i can still feel the pain so i just wonder you know if those workouts for those women who can still feel the pain if that could help them because that sucks if men had pain 10 years after having birth oh we'd have a population of zero at this point <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, the, the lower back is what holds like our entire body. And um, women, as we age, we actually lose bone mass and the hip flexors are very, very fragile. If we don't work those muscles around the hips and the older we get, we're prone to hip injuries. So the time is now to prevent that with like I say, like now most women my age are like all about the aesthetic, but when we're like in our 60s, 70s and 80s, we're going to be like, okay, we don't want to fall and get a hip injury. And this is one way to prevent that is to really build those muscles around the hips to prevent not only the pain, but also the future hip injuries. Definitely. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future with all the success that you have had and that you're going to have? Because the best is yet to come. I love this question. I, I, have a, I have a heart for orphans, like um, children that just have so much talent and creativity, but they just don't have the resources nor maybe even the money or the time or the parents that support him through that. Really my goal with all the funds that hopefully one day I'll really grow and make is to build a center. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but I'm thinking like innovation center where I will have music, art, um, theater for children that are in the orphanage system. So my vision is to have like a bus that picks them up from the school and they go to this creative center where they will be fed delicious, nourishing food that is healthy for their body. There, there will be yoga there, meditation, um, music, piano, uh, all, all types of healing and creative um, things that they could do to cope with the things that they are going through in their 
in their lives because so much of our lives we don't always have control over like we're born into this world we don't get to choose our parents we don't get to choose where how much money they have or how they treat us but if we have a place that we can go to to really allow our true self our god-given talents to really nourish them i think really starting there it'll really create a place like the world would just be such a more beautiful place i'm watching this documentary on creativity and it talks a lot about how people that have gone through pain and challenges the way they cope through all of those things are actually through creating and i can relate to this like i have gone through a lot of pain in my life but pain for me is fuel it's fuel to allow me to create and it's my healing mechanism and i think that's something that we can all tap into and i really want to touch it with i want to share that with children especially orphans Wow, you guys have got the game. There's something I want to tell her offline, and I want you guys to go to thetonerbum.com and put your order in now. So when this launches, you can get toned up and stay healthy. That's the most thing. You know, the look, the Instagram, hey, that's great. But there's nothing better than health, especially in these crazy times that we're in. Um, please let the people know if there are any last words or other places you would like to be contacted because I'd hate for them to contact you on a platform and you're like, I don't want everyone bothering me on here, but where do you like to be contacted, you know, for the audience and give your final words? I, I have a website, alinainventure.com, where you could sign up for my newsletter and I uh, will share the newest inventions and the news about me. And my Instagram, which is Alina underscore inventor. And those are the, the places you can reach me. I'm always on my phone and I'm willing to answer any questions you have and support you on your journey. And I'm just super grateful for being able to be here. And I really appreciate you inviting me. Well, thank you. You guys have got the game. Like, share, subscribe, give somebody else the game and be blessed. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.